We are so thankful for the presence of everyone that has come out this morning. I hope the songs have been encouraging to you all, and it is my hope and prayer that this morning's lesson will be of encouragement to you all in regards to, as we are continuing our thoughts in regards to coming from a Christian perspective and bearing false witness. If you haven't, uh, I figured most of you may have already known, but Exodus chapter 20 and verse 16, ninth commandment where it says, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. A lot of times people would just conclude, don't lie. And that's just the idea of, this is a simple conclusion that's drawn, do not lie. However, if we just think about false witness and bearing false witnesses, just don't lie, we're really not doing the whole thought with complete due justice, if you will. Because when you think about gossip, when you think about slander, when you think about malicious speech, all of these types of things are closely tied into bearing false witness. In fact, Uh, And we'll see it later on as we're studying uh, many of the warnings that the Apostle Paul gives about wickedness and sinfulness, unrighteousness. You will see that gossip and slander and maliciousness, maliciousness are usually listed in those little groups that he has within the passages. And so what is bearing false witness? It is obviously lying. But it's much more than that. And when we try to just argue semantics, we need to be careful. Because some people say, oh, well, the word really doesn't mean this. And, And when I say semantics, I'm referencing when we try to interpret things in our own opinion and not based on facts. That's what I mean whenever I'm talking semantics. Uh, And so some of the dangers of bearing false witness is that, you know, we commit perjury. Right? We know what perjury is in regards to when you have to go to court and they, they put you under oath, right? And they make you a sticker. I don't even, I hadn't been in court in so long, I can't remember what all they do now. But used to, you'd have to put your hand on the Bible and raise your right hand, and, you know, they'd make you go under oath that everything you say is truthful, it's honest, and that you are just, there's no, there's no deceit. There's no lying. There's no half-truth. There's no mistruth, right? And so perjury is the offense of willfully telling an untruth. It's willfully lying. It's a false statement in court. And so to become a perjurer in the sight of God, right, how can we as Christians call ourselves Christians if we are committing the act of perjury. Think about that. How can we call ourselves Christians if we are gossiping, speaking falsely of other people, even though we don't have all, all of the facts? How can we call ourselves Christians if we are slandering one another? Oh, or maybe we want to try to justify it. Oh, well, I don't slander my brethren. I just slander the people of the world. Does that make it any better? Well, no, we know it doesn't make it any better. And so to be a perjurer is to be deceptive, is to mislead 
It's a misleading witness. And so when we're misleading people and not being you know, open and honest and truthful with others, right? what does that do to our witness? Think about it. We're supposed to be witnesses of Christ. We're supposed to be showing people the way to Christ. And yet if they see that we are dishonest, not truthful, not transparent, right? These are some of the dangers. Another danger of bearing false witness is the whole of what happens to the individual. It's the defamation of character. And defamation of character is an act that occurs when someone's reputation and their integrity is damaged because of the intent, because of what took place, whether... you know, I, I, sometimes I think intentions aside, I don't think that really matters. Because sometimes people will say, they'll come up with these, well, I didn't mean to spread a lie. Well, you didn't check out to see if it was a lie or not, did you? Laziness is not an excuse. And what is it that we like to do? We like to be a part of those stories when people say, oh, did you hear about so-and-so? And let me tell you, the group of people who are almost the worst at this, almost, I would say almost always the worst of this, preachers, yeah, this, this lesson was aimed at me. This is something that I know for a fact I have to guard myself against. I have to be really careful of because there are things, and, and you know what, it's not just preachers. There are people who... You know, those who are elders, those who are maybe just well-respected in general, maybe they're not elders uh, for whatever reason, but they are well-respected and people go to them in confidence. And so they open themselves up. They become vulnerable to the individual. Well, what is it that can happen if we're not careful? We can open our fat mouths and we begin to tell people other things that were said in confidence to us, and we end up hurting them instead of helping them. And so, in regards to getting back to the whole defamation of character and the damages that comes about because of bearing false witness, let's go over to Deuteronomy 17. In Deuteronomy 17... Verse 2 through 6, here we have the, basically the gist and the reason why this is serious and why this is important. If there is found in your midst in any of your towns which the Lord your God is giving you, a man or a woman who does what is evil in the sight of the Lord your God by transgressing his covenant and has gone and served other gods and worshipped them or the sun or the moon or any of the heavenly hosts which I have not commanded... And if it is told you and you have heard of it, then you shall inquire thoroughly. So what does that mean? Don't be lazy and don't go run in your mouth. Go find out if what you have heard, maybe what you've seen. Sometimes you may see something, but maybe it just kind of happens in the corner of your eye. So you kind of do a double take, and you're trying to make sure that what you saw is, in fact, what you saw. Or, I don't know, 
Maybe if you want to clarify something with someone, maybe you go to that individual and ask them, hey, did I see what I just saw? Did I really hear what I thought I heard? It's amazing how confusion can be cleared up just by going to individuals. And yet instead, what ends up happening a lot of the times is, is we hear, we're kind of like news reporters. We hear juicy stories and we kind of jot it down, we, we write it down in our minds. And we've all played that game, right? The game where you've got a circle of people and so one person starts and they tell a set of facts to the next person beside them and they go around the room and then by the time they get to the end of the room the story, the facts are no longer the facts, it's just what was passed on, what what they wanted to pass on. It's dangerous. Gossiping and slanderous talk Bearing false witness is a very serious charge, and it's something that no Christian should ever be a part of. So, look, if it is told you and you have heard of it, then you shall inquire thoroughly. Make sure that what took place really happened. What you heard that took place, make sure of it. Behold... If it is true in the thing certain that this detestable thing has been done in Israel, then you shall bring out that man or woman who has done this evil, who has done this evil deed to your gates, that is, the man or the woman, and you shall stone them to death. Now look at this. On the evidence of two or three witnesses, he who is to die shall be put to death. He shall not be put to death on the evidence of one witness. Why is this important? Now think about it. We have to understand why they have this type of system set up. Because they didn't have security cameras. They didn't have iPhones and and Androids and iPads that they could take out. And what do you see people do all the time when when they see police officers on traffic stops or or whatever they're doing. Or they're at an incident. People take out their phones and they're recording. That's what they're doing. There was no body cameras for the guards. They did not have fingerprinting. They didn't, I mean, they had DNA, but they didn't have DNA testing as we do. This person, look at this. On the evidence of two or three witnesses, he who is to die shall be put to death. He shall not be put to death on the evidence of one witness. Yet by the actions of many, to them, well, is my word not good enough? You're not going to take me for my word? Not a chance. Because the principle is what? On the evidence of two or three witnesses. Someone could be convicted and condemned to death based on just words alone in regards to witnesses. How easy is it for us, and we're just going to use our little group as an example, how easy would it be for you guys to get together two or three people and start a rumor about somebody? Let's just throw myself under the bus since I'm up here. And you guys decide to start a rumor, two or three of you start a rumor about me. How simple would that be? 
It would be easy. It's, it can be done in the blink of an eye at the snap of a finger. This is why bearing false witness is so important as far as to understand not to do this. Because false witness, false testimony, lying, gossiping, slandering, malicious talk, it damages people. It ruins lives. It ruins your reputation. It ruins people lose their careers and their jobs. I personally know of a former teacher, school teacher, who lost his job, and he is on the sex, sex registry, sexual registry list now because he failed a student and the girl got mad. And so she started a rumor that he was sending her messages, this, that, and the other, and she destroyed his life. He lost his license for teaching, and he's a member of the church. And they found no evidence to suggest that he was emailing her, texting her, or anything. They took her word for it because of who she was. This is all public record, by the way. So if you want to go look at the court documents, you can go look at the court documents. But they still convicted him anyways. Look at Zechariah 8, 16 and 17. These are the things which you should do. Speak the truth to one another. Judge with truth and judgment for peace in your gates. Also let none of you Devise evil in your heart against another. None of you. Nobody gets a pass. Nobody is allowed to think evil, to speak evil against one another. None of you. And do not love perjury. What is it? It's willfully deceiving willfully lying. For all these are what I hate, declares the Lord. And so, here's the reality. Any behavior that contradicts this approach to life, of to speak the truth to one another and to judge with the truth and judgment for peace, if you behave in a manner that contradicts that, then guess what? You are a part of what God hates. Are you ready to take bearing false witness seriously? Let's look at what Paul said. I'm going to turn to Romans 1 because I wanted to also add on verse 31 and 32, but for the sake of space and to make it easier to read, I left those two verses off. Let's turn to Romans chapter 1. Start at verse 29. Being filled with all unrighteousness and wickedness and greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife and deceit and malice, they are gossips. Have you noticed something? I've seen deceit. I've seen malice. I've seen gossip. Oh, look at there. Slanderers. Slanderers. Haters of God. Insolent. 
arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful, and although they know the ordinance of God, they know God's Word. They know His laws. They know where God stands. Look at this. That those who practice such things are worthy of death. They not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. So look, you don't have to actually do it yourself. Maybe you want to try to keep your hands squeaky clean. I have no blood on my hand, right? But I sure am glad that such and such started that rumor about that person. They really deserve that. Guess what? You're just as guilty when you give hearty approval to that type of behavior, to that type of attitude. You are in sin, and sin separates you from God. Ephesians 4, verse 31, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Are you seeing a, something that's repet, repetitious here? Deceit, malice, gossip, slanderers, bitterness. Go to Colossians chapter 3, verse 8 and 9. Colossians 3, verse 8 and 9. But now you also put them all aside. Anger, wrath, malice slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside aside the old self with its evil practices. You noticed a pattern? Paul warns us of slander and gossip and malice in almost all of his instructions. But I've got one better for you. And this one's probably my pet peeve of the whole lesson. And so if I seem emotional or a little more feisty about it, it's because I truly feel this way. Because I've heard it too much coming from alleged Christians and it is not an acceptable behavior. So if if you haven't paid attention at all in this lesson, I want you all to understand and hear me now. Because this is serious. Our rights as Americans, your First Amendment right, your First Amendment to freedom of speech, does not justify hateful, bigoted speech. It does not justify any sinful behavior, any sinful speech, whether that be slander, Bearing false witness in general. Your freedom to say whatever it is that you want to say. Yeah, God allowed you that freedom. He allows you to be as stupid as you want to be. Amen, I agree. That doesn't make it right. And it does not trump His right to punish you for your wicked behavior and your wicked actions. It is disgusting some of the things that I hear come out of Christians' mouths. And we should be ashamed of ourselves when we behave such way. 
Proverbs 19 and 9, a false witness will not go unpunished, and he who tells lies will perish. Yeah, you might not suffer the consequences here. You, your lies may not be found out here, but God knows about them. When we spread rumors and lies about people, when we just haphazardly tell only what we thought we heard instead of going to individuals to find out whether or not we heard it's true, it doesn't matter what our intentions were because what it points to is that we're still damaging the reputations of others and we are engaging in sin that will condemn us for all eternity. So don't tell me that you have the right to say whatever it is you want to say. I know you have the right. That doesn't make it right. And your rights do not trump God's rights and His laws and His morality and His truth. So if you want to talk about your rights, that's okay. If your rights don't match up and meet up with this, I don't care about your rights. And that's what I have to say about that. Proverbs 10 and 19. When there are many words, transgression is avoidable, unavoidable, excuse me. But he who restrains his lips is wise. Because some people just don't know when to be quiet. And I know that's funny coming from a preacher, right? It's like, wait a minute, your job is to talk. Yeah, in moments of time, in certain moments, yes, I'm allowed the opportunity to get up and to speak for a certain length of time. Some of the best preachers I've heard and ever met and interacted with were preachers who sat and listened. Because if you're not listening, you're not hearing. And if you don't hear the Word of God, you're going to have a weak faith. Our faith comes by hearing and hearing through the Word of God. And I stand by what I say. Some of the best preachers I know, most faithful, godly men, are men who just sit down and they be quiet. And they listen. Because they're trying to hear people's cries. They're trying to hear people's calls. They're trying to help them in their time of need. And let me tell you something. You can't help someone in their time of need if you're too busy passing along as quickly as you can the information that's being fed to you. But sometimes the information that's being fed to you is said in confidence. It's meant to be confidential. And we should respect that. So when there are many words, transgression is unavoidable. Why? Because there's a whole broad variety of sins that can come about. It doesn't have to be specifically lies. It doesn't have to be specifically a slander. If we're looking for specifics, that's when that's that's that semantics that I'm talking about. Well, I, I didn't do this. I don't care that you didn't do this specifically. Your behavior and your attitude is sorry. If you're looking for specifics, then your dependence is upon the law and it's not upon God. If we want specifics, then why don't we look at Jesus? Let's specifically look to Jesus. 
Let's specifically act like Jesus. Let's specifically love like Jesus. Oh, we don't want to get into those specifics. Bearing false witness is no joke. And it's a matter that no Christian should ever be involved in. Proverbs 17 and verse 4. An evildoer listens to wicked lips. Because those wicked lips, the words that comes from those wicked lips, they drip like honey. And it smells wonderful. And so they enjoy that. An evildoer listens to wicked lips. A liar pays attention to a destructive tongue. Our tongues are probably the most powerful muscle in our bodies. And we underestimate the power of our tongue. We're supposed to allow our speech to be seasoned with salt. And yet, what are we told? If salt has lost its flavor, what is it good for? Just to be trampled under our feet? We're supposed to be lights of the world and the salt of the earth. We can't do that if we go around gossiping, slandering, having malicious speech. Because good intentions doesn't matter. I've heard it said by many, good intentions pave the road to hell. And if you're not on the road to heaven to make, to make heaven your home, you've missed it all. These are my few thoughts. I hope as Christians we can take the warnings that we see in Scripture regarding bearing false witness, regarding gossiping, regarding slanderous speech, and take it seriously. Because remember the golden rule? Right? How is it that we always paraphrase it? Do unto others as you would have them to do to you. Because when, when it's... When the shoe's on our feet, we want people to treat us with respect. We want people to love us. We want people to come to us when there is confusion, when there's a question. So why not do the same for your fellow man? That's what Jesus would do. He exemplified that kind of life. He didn't have to go around bad-mouthing the Pharisees. He didn't have to bad-mouth the Sadducees. He didn't have to bad-mouth the Gentiles. He lived a life, a perfect life under the law, without sin. And he suffered the consequences of that because men hated him for it. They hated his speech. They hated his truth. They hated his gospel. But if you love Jesus and you love the truth and you love His gospel and you are here this morning and you have yet to put Christ on in baptism, I want you to know that the baptistry is ready and all of us are willing. It doesn't have to be me. It can be someone else. 
but we want to support you. We want to help you start. It takes just one step. Just come, sinner, come. Make the good confession that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that you believe in His resurrection, which is the first fruit of our resurrection, which is to come. Repent of your sins and be baptized in water for the remission of your sins to have the sins washed away because that's what the Scriptures teach. I don't care about what other preachers preach in pulpits and what they teach about how, well, no, 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 you're, actually, you're baptized because you're saved. You can't find one passage in the New Testament that ever teaches that principle. Not one single passage. And yet there are the masses who espouse it. Why? Because they've been deceived. They've been lied to. That all points back to bearing false witness. Maybe you're here this morning and you've already been baptized. You've already obeyed the gospel, but there are questions in your mind where you know that if something were to happen today, that you would not be made right with God. I want you to know that at this time, this opportunity, while we sing, you have this opportunity to pray to God, to ask us and request of us to pray to God for you and with you, to support you in your time of need. There's no judgment There's no pressure. There's no shame. I hope there's no feeling of shame from from your part as far as coming before us. Because nobody's perfect. If you have shame, I hope it's because of the sin that you're in and that you realize that you need to have it removed. So if you're here this morning and you need the prayers of the congregation or you need to respond to the gospel call, We are here to assist you. If you would come forward while together we stand and while we sing the invitation song.